Hey, it's me, Norm McFucking Donald. I traveled all the way back from the afterlife to tell you that this show has spoilers and bad words in it and the classics, shit folk, etc. Please listen responsibly. It's time for Beer Me a Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. I'm Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how you were going to dive in when you said you were going to dive in, and that's how you chose to dive in. That's good. I really did not know what was going on, but then you were looking at me with them eyes, and I just I didn't know what to do, so I defaulted to my the name pressure was and on. screaming it. <laughs> These baby blue doe eyes, man, it made you go head first into the shallow end, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot like the Cthulhu madness. I just look at to them and I just I, I lose my mind. No, I understand that one completely. That's it totally is, yeah. fair. <laughs> I guess compliment or insult. I I don't know anymore. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's all it is. It's hard to say. Hey Ryan, welcome to the the new show. You've arrived. Thank you for having me. It's uh thank you for this good beering too. Uh. I'm very happy that this is the movie we we beard me on. I talked to you like last month saying I was thinking about doing this. I said I had another one in mind too. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about doing. I can't remember what it was, but you're like, I want this yeah, one. I've already I want for- this one instead. Yeah. Oh, the other one was a lot more serious, if I remember. And you're like, which one do you want to do first? And singing in the rain seemed a lot more fun. <laughs> well, I'm very happy to hear that because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And that's why I have beard you, everyone with ears listening to this thing, Singing of the Rain from 1952, directed by Stanley fucking Donnan and Gene fucking Kelly. Yeah. Now, you both have never seen this before. That's true. Brian, why don't you give me your thoughts first? Well, I'm a slut for a musical. You and... really, really are. <laughs> like, if you could get this... on your knees for a musical and just go, 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 you would for any <laughs> musical. You're absolutely right, and well, this qualifies, and then some. Are you tiptoeing because you know it's one of my favorite movies of all time? Just come maybe, out and say it. Maybe one. not. <laughs> this movie's fucking excellent. Ooh, all right, that's one bullet dodged. Uh, Ryan. All right. Quick so, thoughts. <clears throat> quick thoughts. I am uh, musicals hit and miss on. I like musicals not because of the music, but usually because of the big production and the choreography. So it has to be, I think, really firing on all cylinders to be like a good musical. And then I'm in. Sure. Um, That's and I think singing in the rain is firing on all cylinders. All this tiptoeing, guys. There you go. All this fucking tiptoeing. You, you said short thoughts. That's my short thought. <laughs> I'm not used to you having short thoughts, though. So it's like weird. <laughs> like I was going to go mow my lawn. It's like really hard. Asking and hearing the answer. <laughs> it's really hard. I had three tangents that I withheld. <laughs> that explains the eye twitch. All right. That's, <laughs> just going to have an embolism uh, any moment now. Fantastic. I hope I get to watch your temple explode. <laughs> it's going to be bad for an audio medium, but trust me, it's going <laughs> to be awesome. You want to dive right in? The synopsis for this is a little on the long side. I somehow. was surprised because usually when you get something like this that has, you know, song and dance numbers, that takes up a good chunk of what would be the synopsis. Um, not the case with this one. Wikipedia came to play. Yeah, they did. It's almost like this is one of the 
most beloved movies of all time or something. It's almost like that. Almost. As you know, we have our untitled movie score that we do for every movie, and we try to get as close as we can to that Rotten Tomatoes without knowing what the Rotten Tomatoes is. Well, I don't know what it is, but... I don't know what it is either. I didn't look this time. Excellent. It's more of a fun surprise not to look, because there's penalties if we land on the same score as Rotten Tomatoes or the audience score. That is true. As long as we get under 90, we'll be good. I'm pretty sure. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that doesn't seem likely. Ah, I'm going to have to sabotage (laughs) then. (laughs) But our first category, of course, is story and motivation. And we pull the synopsis right off of the Wikipedia. Don Lockwood, played by Gene fucking Kelly, is a popular silent film star with humble roots as a hoofer and stuntman. I like how they say humble roots. Like, he got into the movie industry the same way I did, by just lying. (laughs) (laughs) For reference, check Dave's IMDb page. Now you could go check it. By the way, uh, for our patrons, I am officially listed under Master of Disguise now as Real Dana Carvey. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) I'm bringing the bit back. I'm going to keep updating the IMDb page based on bullshit that we talk about. (laughs) Until IMDb says, no more, no more. (laughs) until i get banned from the internet movie database i am using the burner account so we're good good to go still okay that's good yeah but he gets into show business by just straight up lying he says yeah i could take that hit and fly over this bar or whatever but then he does it so is it really a lie but i mean i really did my job eventually too (laughs) (laughs) well Whatever he's doing or whatever he does is kind of a moot point as cosmo points out like you're you're just getting hit over a, a bar and it seems like the director is just running through them at this point so i'm like scrolling down on this synopsis and yeah it doesn't introduce cosmo it sure does for like half a page and that's a sin <laughs> that is a sin because cosmo brown <sighs> donald fucking oh fucking connor we'll get there we will absolutely <laughs> get there Don barely tolerates his spoiled and conniving co-star Lena Lamont, played by Gene fucking Hagen, though their studio, Monumental Pictures, links them romantically to increase their popularity. Was that like a thing back in the day? Like if you start in a movie with someone, you're automatically fucking? Oh, they must be an item. Yeah, people have always been shipping the stars of movies. Okay. Yeah, Tom, Tom Holland and Zendaya aren't together right now. It's all just publicity until Spider-Man's done. And then... Be surprised when less than a year later. promise Tommy's going to hit the market? (laughs) It's true. I want him to do whatever accent he chose to do in Uncharted when he woos me. I just want him to say croissant. Vaguely New York? Vaguely whatever it was. (laughs) I'm so disappointed with that movie still. (laughs) I think the only thing he knows how to do is vaguely. (laughs) Oh, man. That is... A good slight. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to accents. That's that's so good. That's, yeah. (laughs) Lena is convinced that they truly are in love, despite Don's protestations otherwise. Is it protestations when you say, no, no, I can't fucking stand you? It sounds like a protestation. Yeah. It's one of those (laughs) fancy words. At the premiere of their latest film, The Royal Rascal, Don tells the gathered crowd a version of his life story, including his motto, Dignity. Always dignity. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> his words are humorously contradicted by flashbacks showing him alongside his best friend, Cosmo Brown, played by 
Donald O'Fucking Connor. There we go. They're talking about how they used to come up on the stage and like all this proper teaching and whatnot. And it turns out they were like dancing in pool halls and doing vaudeville and whatnot. It was there was no proper training to any of this. <clears throat> no. But it's just such a great juxtaposition. Uh, uh, God, it's it's how you pull it off. It's, yeah. And there it's was when I knew we were in good hands. This juxtaposition, it's so good. And then the whole crowd cheered for us, and then it cuts to like the audience booing and growing bored. It's, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and even like the narration, little slip. We were stranded. I mean, uh, started. <laughs> it just changes real quick. It's good. It's so good. Have you guys ever seen a Gene Kelly movie before, or is this your first? It might. It's my first. I believe it's my first. Oh God. Like, there's three things about this movie where if you don't fall in love with Debbie Reynolds, there's something wrong with you. If you don't mm-hmm. think Gene Kelly's charming as hell, there's something wrong with you. And if you don't want a friend like Cosmo Brown, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me, and we'll get to that. But I will tell you, <laughs> I fell in love with Gene Kelly for sure. And I, can, I, smile, I, I cannot wait to get into more of his movies. He's got such a charisma to him. So Absolutely. good. On screen, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yes. We'll yes. get there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. To escape from his fans after the premiere, Don jumps into a passing car driven by Kathy Selden, played by Debbie fucking Reynolds. 19-year-old Debbie fucking Reynolds. I like when he jumps into this car. Her first reaction is not to stop the car. Nope. It's to keep driving and question what's happening. And then eventually she pulls over when she finally sees a cop. Right. <laughs> hey, this man's trying to rob me, I think. That's a famous movie star. All right, cetera, so real quick here. Uh, we're gonna br- not, we're not gonna brush past. She's nineteen years old, and how old is Don supposed to be in this movie? Well, you got to keep in mind that this movie was made in nineteen fifty-two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. people age way differently now. I feel like that's so true. Are you gonna say? Are you, are you telling me Don's like twenty-two? <laughs> no, he's probably in his thirties. I would say. Is that right? Okay. All right. That's still that's pretty uh, wild. Uh, twenty plus year difference, but that's cool. All right. I just Googled it. He was 37 when he made this movie. Wow. 19. Yeah, that's a little rough. And then I'm going to learn more about Gene. Ah, man, this is a bummer. I was really into Gene (laughs) Kelly. And now this is all going to turn around on me. You don't know how bad it's going to get yet. So don't worry. It's true. You can still love him for now. The stunt over the bus is so fucking extra and out oh, of nowhere. It's so <laughs> good. It. That's the best way to put it is extra. Yeah. Because he just no climbs an, on another car, he jumps over a bus, <laughs> and then jumps into a, another car. There is no reason for any of There's it. Absolutely no reason. And they still went for it, and I'm a huge fan for it. Yeah, it feels very old school Hollywood. It, it, it is that Chaplin energy to it. Of we're Big just going to do it, shoot it, have fun, and wow people. Why? Because we can. The magic of movies, my friend. The best reason, as far as I'm concerned. Because of his shabby look, thanks to being manhandled by the fans, she thinks him a vagrant trying to rob her, but Don's identity is proven by a policeman Kathy tries to get help from. She drops him off where he needs to go, but not before claiming to be a stage actress and sneering at his undignified accomplishments as a movie star. She fucks him up mentally, like she big does. time. When she says, you've seen one, you've seen them all. It's rough. Is it that rough? Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> How fragile is an actor's ego? I don't know. I feel like you've got to have thicker skin. Maybe maybe not back then, 
But like the dude was literally just getting swarmed by fans, but he can't have one random lady say, I'm not a fan of movies. They're all the same. Well, Why yeah, does anybody get that sets him off business? on the chase, though. That's true. It's the one <laughs> he couldn't win. It means that she's the, the, the best. What? Got to catch them all. Why does anybody get into showbiz <laughs> if not because they have this huge need to be liked by everyone? Firstly, Brian, I appreciate you not taking the Pokemon bait. I, <laughs> I can't do I it two weeks in a row. Pushed it down. <laughs> yeah, uh, actors' egos are unbelievably fragile. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's how you get a movie star girlfriend. Just tell her she's not an actress or a good one. That'll do it. So, Something if like you want to go date ScarJo and get her away from Colin Joss' very punchable face, <laughs> just go up to her and say, "Like, hey." Uh, you were in the horse whisper, and she'd be like, "Yeah, I was like 30 years ago." And you just go, "We're very good." <laughs> I hope your career works out for you. Hey, you're that you're I that lady from Lucy, sense. right? <laughs> but you got to walk away. And the most important part about that is you have to look back, right? And then kind of just give a, Meh. <laughs> but actually <laughs> say, "Meh," and then Scarjo's yours. Meh. <laughs> Man, I hate everything you're saying, and I hope that's not the truth. <laughs> That has to be the truth. It probably is the truth. <laughs> How do you think Colin Joss landed her? He was like, hmm, are you that, are you that one? You and Lucy? You're just saying uh, Scar Joe, name. quick question. Are you a fan of foreheads? No? All right, well, your acting is fine at best sometimes. Oh. And then they got married. So well played Colin. Wow. Turns out, though, that Michael Che actually wrote that pickup line for him. And that's I've heard that. Yep, I've heard that one. <laughs> Oh, thank you. All right. Here I was Googling who Colin Joss is on my phone, but the Michael Che, I get it. He's the white one. That's right. <laughs> Colin Joss, famously yes, the white one. <laughs> that I feel should like be his entire IMDb. Another white one. You just gave him like the title to his next memoir, which I don't know. Can you write two memoirs or are you only allowed one? It depends on how much stuff you do after the first one. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But naming, if you have two memoirs, naming one of them the white one kind of makes the other one sound like it's not. But that's the thing. If you get Michael Che on board and you make his title of his memoir the black one, you got like a whole yin and yang thing going on there. And that's pretty excellent. I feel like putting him in that position... Like, do you just go to Michael Che and say, hey, I have a name <laughs> for your <laughs> memoir? I don't think you could do that. Well, that's when Colin Jost is like, here's the name for your memoir, Michael Che. Michael Che goes, thought of that one all by yourself, huh? You think that's funny? I'm going to go to call your wife and tell her she's an okay actress. Oh, that, that seals it. Later in an after party, the head of Don's studio, R.F. Simpson, played by Millard fucking Mitchell, shows a short demonstration of a talking picture. But his guests are unimpressed, claiming it'll never amount to anything. I love in the scene the one woman who's like, Where are the wires? Where are the wires? Scream, Mr. Simpson! <laughs> and his cockiness of like, I'm right here. It's like he's standing next to her. Everybody in this audience is kind of like Larry David in that Super Bowl commercial about crypto, but it turns out Larry David was right. He was completely oh, no. right. <laughs> Oh, man, I went to H&R Block to get my taxes done this past week, and uh, the lady there I've been going to, like, for five years, and she's fantastic. And she asked me this year if I did crypto, and she hit no right away. 
And I went, you hit no pretty quickly there. And she went, yeah, because you don't look stupid. <laughs> it was the greatest compliment I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> Amazing. Imagine if you had to then say, actually. <laughs> but here's the thing about that. When she was clicking through all the buttons, there's one button underneath the child care that says kidnapped. I swear to God that you could click kidnapped. And I asked her, did that say kidnapped? She said, I think you're the first person who ever said that. I said, do you get a tax break if your child was kidnapped? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to claim the kidnapping credit this year. Wow. I want to talk to all those little trust fund fucks that are the Lindberghs now and find out what actually happened mm. uh, uh-huh. with that missing baby. It was just a tax write-off the whole time. You know, it's kind of crazy <laughs> that you sit there, you do your taxes, and they never ask you, like, oh, were any of your children kidnapped this year? They just assume they weren't. You have to know that there's a credit for that. (laughs) If you knew there was a credit for that, I mean, that's like akin to like property tax. Do you think the police, (laughs) after your child has been kidnapped, are like, well, at least you can claim it on your taxes. (laughs) Now, don't worry, Mrs. Lindbergh. Here's a 1098 form. All you need to do is check off here, 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 and here. If you get audited by the IRS, just don't find your kid right away. That's all it is. Say he's in a balloon or something. Balloon boy? That's a very specific call. It is, but we might have solved the mystery of why they did it. think you're right. Tax loophole. <laughs> he'll be fine. And then in like, I don't know, a few months, he'll come back down. It'll be a new tax year. That's right. That's the hope, at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he was kidnapped last year. We didn't claim it this year. <laughs> Cosmo, of course, warns the crowd that that's what they said about the horseless carriage. Because cars. That's right. Wow. People were like, (laughs) nobody wants a car. And then everybody's like, let's get cars. They did it. They got the cars. I suspect that's what's going to happen with these here talkies. (laughs) I'm about to nerd out so goddamn hard (laughs) with these talkies. (laughs) Keep going. I'm having a ball, folks. To Don's amusement, Kathy pops out of a mock cake right in front of him, revealing herself to be a chorus girl. That look is just so perfect. Yeah, when Don sees her and like his smugness, and when she sees him, and it, she's just horrified. It's so good. So you're you're a real actress, huh? Okay. That whole little number is fantastic. There is no editing, no quick cuts, nothing. They just fill that frame with dancing and confetti, and it looks great. <laughs> it looks so good. So good. They do that a lot. Where I want to say. Coming up, the You Were Meant For Me song, there's like four cuts in the entire thing. You and it were is meant ridiculous. for me. That's, oh, that's good, too. That's not the one with that. No, I'm thinking of the end of the Broadway melody. Yeah, You Were Meant For Me is good, too. But yes. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's that like one also so little cutting lighting. in this. It, this is the way that you're supposed to do it. It's kind of the way like Damien Chazelle did La La Land. The opening of that is a one and it's a long-ass one and, and it is so well one. done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Furious at Don's teasing, Kathy throws a cake at him, accidentally hitting Lena in the face when Don ducks and then flees. (laughs) (laughs) Don becomes smitten with Kathy and searches for her for weeks, with Cosmo trying to cheer him up. In the greatest way imaginable? The most fantastic way imaginable? I don't know if... The proper song, Singing in the Rain, is the most famous thing in this movie because Make Him Laugh is in this movie. Make Him Laugh (sighs) is definitely, as far as songs to come out of this movie, the most famous. 
And it almost killed Donald Goddard. <laughs> <laughs> well, the man smoked four packs a day. Yeah, he did. Oh, that makes sense. But, I mean, he went to, like, the hospital after he was done filming this with exhaustion because he just went for it. Yeah. All right. So here, all right. <laughs> this is um, what I've been tap dancing around. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't love Cosmo. Uh, he is a very particular type of humor that it really does not work too much for me. And I will say, like, all right, the fit as a fiddle uh, number where they're doing the, the dance up there and choreography, like, it's all fucking perfect. And I'm like into it. I get a flash of Howdy Doody, and I'm never able to shake that <laughs> from Cosmo. And there's just something about it that kind of ruined his character a bit for me. And I was never really... All right. I wasn't able to take him serious, but the turn for I don't this, think you're supposed to, though. I don't think you're ever supposed to. Well, I don't really like him as the comic relief either, because it's like, it's that dad joke. The, call me a cab. All right, fine. All right, you're, you're a, a cab. cab. I was like, oh my god! My dad told me these jokes, and I hated it. I laughed then. like so hard. It's oh my god! All right, well, when I tell you Cosmo <laughs> is my favorite character in the movie, I am not telling lies. All right, it's funny because when so, you look, when we fuck. get to talking about protagonists later, you can make an argument for Cosmo Brown as the protagonist of this movie in a way. I'm excited. I, I mean, he's arguably <laughs> the one who is. Yeah, you're right. We'll get there. All right, my point with this, as annoying and as insufferable as I found Cosmo, <laughs> <laughs> by the end of Make Him Laugh, I was clapping. I'm like, God damn, this man fucking went for it. And he yeah. full commits. He's like running up and flipping off the walls, doing every single vaudevillian act you could fucking think of. Like, How could you squeeze that many... Vaudeville acts into one song. Into one, yeah, one performance. And do He's it flawlessly. Jumping through walls, doing backflips. He does it all. When he's playing with that one mannequin as like a date and stuff, it's oh. just so perfect. It's one of the, not my favorite music when it comes to the music itself, but sure. like when you think of set pieces, easily rises to the top. Because it's just that the backstage of a film set. That's, that's all it a is. Cosmo number, and it is still like top of of the list for me. And that's that's all. That's all. So absolutely. Just to kind of hit the nail on the head of how famous this scene actually is, is that when Joseph Gordon-Levitt hosted SNL, probably like ten years ago at this point, they said he could do anything, and he did the full make him laugh sequence. That's incredible. As his monologue. That's absolutely incredible. I want to look that up now <laughs> I, I do too it's really hard not to just immediately pull up youtube while filming a romantic scene a jealous lena reveals that her influence is behind kathy's loss of work and subsequent disappearance i don't know it's so much subsequent disappearance did she didn't like staircase her to death or whatever that thing no. was about she just said fire her and then they did because she's a star damn it yeah and she had pie on her face can't do that to my star. On the studio lot, Cosmo finally finds Kathy, quietly working in another Monumental Pictures production. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's a beautiful girl. Oh, man, that thing is a time capsule. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the one thing that takes me out of this movie every single time, and I understand why it's there, the song Beautiful Girl, because it is so removed from any plot but it is very much what Hollywood was going for 
Yeah. Right into like the 30s and whatnot. Yeah. With these silly little songs talking about women's fashion and stuff. It's weird. It's super weird. Uh, it's weird. It's vaguely misogynistic. And then like. Vaguely? I, the word vaguely there was a funny choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I won't come out and say fully because there's like the time difference. So I will, I will keep vaguely there because different time and place. That said, when one of the lines is something about like, and you're over the sweet 16. Oh, like that's kind of. <laughs> yeah. But they also keep the tongue in the cheek pretty hard when they're talking about all these fashions with all the ladies who are lined up and one is dressed for a funeral. I was just like, when your husband dies, you don't have to go looking like a schlub. You can be going in style. <laughs> Is it parody? Are they going for parody or are they just leaning into it? I think and it's a little bit of both. tell with this both. Because it definitely hints at parody, but it definitely is also a sign of the times as a lot yeah. of stuff coming up is going to be. Yeah. And not in Ooh. a bad way. Like technologically. Okay. All right. More I than see. anything. Right. Okay. So after finding Kathy, Don sings her a love song and she confesses to have been a fan of his all along. Now, this is the part that always threw me. Was she a fan of his all along, or was she just as obsessed with Don after meeting him that Don was with Kathy? Did she like, well, actually, you couldn't do it. You can't really see eight or nine pictures, because there's no such thing as home video. Then. Exactly. It's not like she huh. like, turned on Netflix and, and searched for Don Lockwood and caught up on all of his stuff. That's true. So she would have had to have been. Mm-hmm. Then again, if she'd seen him once, she'd seen him all. Yeah, when she says, like, oh, I maybe I've seen a few, maybe I've seen seven or eight, she never really names any of them. There's no solid proof. Anybody could say, I've seen seven of your movies. Means Have nothing. you seen seven of mine? Have you seen uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or Master of Disguise <laughs> or uh, Toxic Avenger 4, Citizen Toxie? I've seen all the things that I'm. IMDb'd on now? Sadly, I'm the most curious about the Toxic Avenger 4 of the three. <laughs> oh, good. I, I was the dolphin manhandler on oh, that Oh, cool. One, according to IMDb. How was the dolphin? Was it awesome to work with? It was not a dolphin. It was a dolphin man, Ryan. Thank oh. you. Get it right or pay the price. I see. Salute your did short you, style. Did you have to, like, feed it? Yeah, right out of my hand. And all he did was, he didn't say thank you. He just clicked a lot. What did he eat? What does a dolphin man eat? A dolphin man? Uh, sushi, mostly. That seems because it's not straight wrong. up fish. There's just <laughs> a little bit of fanciness to it. You should see Dolphin Man hold chopsticks. Hysterical. <laughs> well, then why did you have to feed him? Well, I had to feed him after because he couldn't hold the chopstick. <laughs> you got any more dumb questions, Brian? You curl your tongue <laughs> to make it do the waves. Do they curl their flippers to hold the chopsticks, or do they have to like double double fin them? They kind of are slapping them together like a seal would, but they can't quite reach all the way because they got those tummies. Yeah. That are there? <laughs> do you just pour the soy sauce and wasabi into the blowhole? No, you can't do that. You'll kill it, Brian. <gasps> that's fair, I guess. But they also have like the weird protruding jaw that's out there. <laughs> so even when they do get the chopsticks around the sushi, they have to kind of like flick it in the air <laughs> and then catch it. A uh, missed opportunity to say flip it in the air with their flippers. I knew what I said. Thank you. So, they they get offended by those layups. There's a reason why Air Bud started a golden retriever and not a dolphin. <laughs> oh, I thought that was just because they didn't want to compete with Free Willy. 
which I can't remember. A dolphin jumps over rocks at a point. Or is and that Michael a whale? Jackson. That's a it's whale. It's an orca. That's yeah. <laughs> Fish are stupid. Those are all mammals that you've named so far. Except for the sushi that you were feeding them. It's a little bit fish. A little bit you want to call me? You want to talk about my stupid questions, Dave? I'll call you out. <laughs> this has to be what the shape of water is about, right? All this? I, I imagine Eating so. Eating sushi. Like, yes. Yeah. Eating sushi okay. with a dolphin, man. Yeah. This, this sounds right. Best picture. 2017. Love it. It's really not far off. That's a- <laughs> After rival studio Warner Brothers has an enormous hit with its first talking picture, the 1927 film The Jazz Singer, R.F. decides he has no choice but to convert the next Lockwood and Lamont film, The Dueling Cavalier, into a talkie. And I love how he comes up with this, how he storms into the studio lot and just goes, shut it down, we're fucked. Shut it down! (laughs) Make him talk! We fucked up! The production is beset with difficulties, including the actors being unfamiliar with the recording technology used, and Lena's grating voice and strong Brooklyn accent, driving poor director Roscoe Dexter, played by Douglas fucking Fowley, to tears. Now, I've never been more upset that an actor didn't use a middle name, because Douglas fucking Fowley deserves (laughs) a whole lot more fuckings than just one. (laughs) He's so animated. I love it so much. <laughs> he is, but this scene is just one of my favorite scenes ever for nerdy reasons more than anything. Because you go through them trying to fit the mic into certain places for them to talk into. And you have the dialogue coach who's trying to coach Lena into not sounding anything like Lena. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just absolutely perfect. The hijinks that they all get up to on this film set. <laughs> and how many of them are a direct result of Lena's annoying voice? There's a lot, but it also showed that you can't just fall back on your usual bullshit dialogue of I love you, I love you, I, I love, love you. you. Like you actually you. have to talk now. You actually have to do the job. There's nowhere to hide. So you're starting to see the film industry grow up right before your eyes in a lot of ways. It's kind of like when they started miking up football players. How so? <laughs> I was hoping somebody else would take that and run with it. I had to talk about a fucking dolphin yes ending for five minutes. You can't go one question with a football player with a mic. Read the room. One of them doesn't know about balls of any kind of sport. That's a good point. Ryan is here. That's true. That's true. <laughs> He's probably the biggest sports ball fan I know, though. I do love <laughs> a good sports, sports and a ball. He roots for all the teams and more importantly, hopes everyone has a really good time. I can totally name at least five right now for sure. Sports balls? Five what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that I can name five sports. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's a pitcher, a center fielder, a goalie, a center, and a, a badminton. Oh yeah, cock we're talking shuttle. about positions and a cock shuttle. Kind of sport. Fucking out. <laughs> Those are five sports words. Nailed from it. You know, because like before, when they were playing football, you couldn't hear what they were saying, but then they mic'd them up, so now you can. Cool. Is that true, though? <laughs> yeah. You can actually Sometimes. hear what they're saying when they're playing, which is They pick gross. out select players, and they, and they play back their, their sounds. <laughs> and Bro. you said you knew nothing about <laughs> sports ball. 
He doesn't, or else he'd be quoting Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice right now. Because weirdly enough, that's what the offensive linemen are saying to the defensive linemen the whole oh time. They're talking God, about literature. I love that. If they were like having podcasts, they were just talking to each other about like nonsense, nonsense, bullshit while they were playing. Did I you combine sports. nonsense and bullshit into non-shit? I like non-shit. <laughs> non-shit. Because I'm pretty sure that's what just happened. It's bull sense. And I had like a Blues Brothers back of the church moment there where the light just shone. Of, <laughs> that was a thing of beauty. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this whole scene is the dialect coach who's like trying to teach Lena how to actually speak <laughs> for the camera. <laughs> and she can't figure out how to just say, and I can't stand him. Can't stand him. <laughs> and I can't stand him. The best part is Gene Harlow is just a fucking treat. She is so good in this movie. She's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. We'll get there. We will get there. In contrast, Don fares far better when taking diction lessons. Because he's got one of the cool ones. He's got one of the cool teachers who lets him sing and dance. And he's got pictures of mouths on his wall. Does he let him? Or do Don and Cosmo just kind of take over the lesson? Because well, he doesn't stop him, that's for sure. Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. For Moses, he knows his toes aren't roses, as Moses supposes his toes to be. That was true. Do another. Wow. That's all I got. That's what they say in the movie. Do another. He's do so impressed. Cosmo's so happy that this guy is just saying all these words <laughs> together that he wants him to do another. Cosmo is kind of weirdly aggro towards this guy for like no fucking reason. And it like ramps up by the time like it all ends. Like they've just like thrown all this shit on him and just completely buried him. <laughs> buried, buried him. him. <laughs> it's so weird, but like I as like Don's doing it. And, like, is doing well. Cosmo just comes in and starts, like, mimicking him behind his back. Like, essentially, the fingers behind, like, the person in the photograph. It's like, what? Are, what? Did this guy wrong you in some past life? Like, what's the deal here? Why? Why so aggro? And then, like I said, just full on buried by the end. I think they're just bummed they had to do this diction coaching because of Lena. Is it because of Lena? Or is it just, like, every actor would have to do it? They're just going to do it much quicker than Lena. I imagine the studio hired the diction coaches for everybody to not make Lena feel singled out. Ah, uh, that's an interesting But really, okay. Lena's the one who needs it. Well, let's find oh, out me. how well the diction coach worked. <laughs> the Dueling Cavaliers preview screening is a disaster. The actors are barely audible thanks to awkward placing of the microphone. Don repeats the line, I love you to Lena over and over to the audience's derisive laughter. Uh-huh. In the middle of the film, the sound goes out of synchronization. <laughs> so good synchronization that word is fun with hilarious results as lena shakes her head while the villain's deep voice says yes 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 and the villain nods his head while lena's squeaky soprano says no 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 again great editing great juxtaposition jokes land man they keep landing afterward kathy and cosmo help don come up with the idea to turn the dueling cavalier into a musical called the dancing cavalier complete with a modern musical number and backstory if the song Good Morning doesn't bring a smile to your face, nothing will. Again. It used to until McDonald's started using it in a breakfast campaign, and then it started to drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> Did they really? Because oh, that's yeah. a crime. Yeah. Yep. When was yep. this? Oh, this had to be like five, six years ago. 
So this was during the time where clowns were on the street and scaring people. Yeah, actually, I think because it was we don't the same talk time. about that enough. <laughs> the terror clowns just kind of disappeared one day. There were so many clowns on the street for a while, and then there were none. Did you see any of these clowns though? No, I got the internet. Everything there is true. Yeah, see, I feel like maybe there were like two clowns on the street. <laughs> That's yeah, enough. Two that is enough. enough. <laughs> no, you know what? It might have started as two clowns, but then there were copy clowns. Oh, no, you're right. Because everybody's like, you know what? That's funny as hell. Now I want to be one of these street clowns. And then, of course, it came out and everyone's like catching the buzz there. And yeah. McDonald's is over here. Good morning. Good morning. We all float down here. Good morning. <gasps> oh, that's Good right, yeah. morning. Yeah. Hiya, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with Brian. Uh, that that commercial and the fact that I had to hear it in a family video uh, ad disc every Ooh. shift for like a month that that played kind of killed it for me. That's brutal. I had a, a on my Hollywood video disc that we had to keep playing. We had like Fallout Boy playing at one point, and you know in intelligible they are like you can't understand words <laughs> are you saying that this had fallout boy and good morning on it no mine did not have good morning <laughs> oh okay this is just finally an open door for me to complain about fallout boy i don't think there's anything wrong with fallout boy i feel like they're an easy target now it's like the horse is already long past dead and so you're just shooting <laughs> a corpse like it's like if we started making fallout fun of boy. dane cook right now okay yeah well <laughs> let, let me explain something about shooting a dead horse Easier to hit. No, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a moving target. Already dead. I don't have that morality issue. It's fair. Dave actually does its life. all of his target practice with bottles of glue. It's true. I do. And I actually sit outside of uh, Belmont Racetrack just waiting, like hoping that like an ankle turns or something like that. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> They've never asked me to, to dive in, but I'm there. So they don't have to mostly. Dibs. <laughs> <laughs> the three are disheartened when they realize Lena's terrible voice remains a problem, even with a modern musical. Still, Cosmo, inspired by the scene in the Dueling Cavalier where Lena's voice was out of sync, Suggest that they dub Lena's voice with Kathy's. And we finally get to the showstopper. Let's the call titular it. The titular song. Of Singing in the Rain. This scene still works. Yeah, it does. Like, big time works. And the way they pulled this thing off, when you see, like, the whole set, how big it is, and how much space Gene Kelly just explores on this set, and how he's getting rained on with milk water is it's ridiculous. It's not actually milk water. It's milk water. It's a myth that's been debunked. It was all done with lighting. It's backlit water. It's completely true. <laughs> it's not milk water, but it's fun. It's more fun if you say it's milk it water. It is more fun if it's milk water. So what I meant to say was, yeah, milk water. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, chocolate milk water. That would be like psycho. That's what they use in the shower scene is Bosco. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Bosco. I didn't even notice that the rain was white or opaque or lit any differently so this is all new to me you're talking because about that's good filmmaking milk. yeah it just looked yeah. like good rain to me it was visible it was the only visible. issue they really yeah, had was, was the visible. suit that he was wearing because it was made of i think it was wool and they wool. said that it it uh it took water oh no <laughs> it shrunk yeah. out and he already had like 104 fever while doing this whole <sighs> dance number yep one of those famous scenes where you have someone ridiculously sick 
just laying it out all on the line for one of the most famous scenes in cinematic history. It's perfect. They have issues with his uh, feet too, or something. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of we'll get there when it comes to that type of stuff. <clears throat> all right. After hearing Don and Cosmo pitch the idea, RF approves, but tells them not to inform Lena that Kathy is doing the dubbing. And this is where the mindfuckery starts to take place because you have Gene Hagen, who's being dubbed by Debbie Reynolds in the movie. Right. Doing the singing. But Gene Hagen is actually the one doing the singing for real. <laughs> so Gene Hagen is dubbing Debbie Reynolds, who's dubbing Gene Hagen because Gene Hagen could sing. Huh. How about that? Wow. Is this where Christopher <laughs> Nolan got the idea for Inception? Probably. <laughs> That's interesting. So what's the story? Is the story that um, uh, Kathy, I can't think of the actress's name, she couldn't sing? No, it's just that Gene Hagen could sing her ass off. Sing much better. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, this is the plan the whole time. Was huh. So they just did the old switcheroo again. And, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, Gene Hagen could Dang. sing. The double switcheroo. They did the dubbing for the movie, but then they dubbed the dub for the audience of the movie. Give you a nosebleed if you're not careful. I'm, I'm <laughs> feeling like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder right now. <laughs> you are the dude singing about the dude singing about the dude? Yep. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> While drinking booty sweat. Oh, that's it. That's, yeah. <laughs> Having learned the truth, an infuriated Lena barges in on a dubbing session and becomes even angrier when she's told that Don and Kathy are in love and intend to marry, and that RF intends to give Kathy a screen credit and a big publicity buildup. She should be a little pissed off. Yeah, she's the star. She has no one told her that that wasn't going to be her voice. Like, she has to know what she sounds like, right? She has to. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's it. That's what it. do you mean it's not going to be my voice? That sounded straight out of South Park. <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> I find it wild, though, that Lena decides that she's going to try to, like, sue the studio sue? to make sure that Kathy keeps dubbing her voice for forever and no yeah. one will ever know who she is. Like, you know what, Lena? Good on you. That's pretty twisted. It is pretty twisted, but, you know, it's a good move. Like, contractually, she could get away with this thing. Until it's time for renewal, I bet. Yeah. How many contracts last back then? I mean, you were contracted to studio at that point. You weren't contracted to right. an individual movie. Did she ever mention a lawyer or anything? Because I will say, I think that move feels a little bit out of Lena's grasp for the character we're shown. Like, I don't think she would have come to that, like, devious of a... I'll make her sing for me oh, forever. She, she definitely consulted she, a lawyer because okay. she was saying words incorrectly to show that she was reading somebody else's notes. Yep, and she also said Perfect. the word see you. See you. I'm gonna see you. <laughs> Kenny. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> RF reluctantly agrees because of a clause in Lena's contract which holds the studio responsible for positive media coverage. What's with that bullshit? It's messed up. Shit on your star. Have a good time. The premiere of The Dancing Cavalier is a tremendous success. When the audience clamors for Lena to sing live, Don, Cosmo, and RF tell her to lip sync into a microphone while Kathy, concealed behind the curtain, sings into a second one. But they do it in, like, the most aggro way imaginable by just berating Kathy to do it. And she's so upset. <laughs> she's like, so upset. throw her a wink or something. It's 1952. <laughs> yeah. It would have worked just fine. <laughs> While Lena is 
singing. Don Cosmo and RF gleefully open the curtain, revealing the fakery. But is it fakery? Like, you have people who are confused by screens making noise at them. <laughs> There's no way they're putting two and two together. Like, now, here's the thing about synchronization, folks. That lady behind is doing the voice. Or vice versa. Huh. I feel like it, par- it probably helps when Cosmo comes over and starts singing. And they're like, oh, okay, that's the live mic. And that's why Cosmo's <laughs> the greatest friend in the world. Absolutely. Uh, or Poochie. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Or Poochie. <laughs> <laughs> On one hand, you got Cosmo Brown. On the other, you got Poochie. You're supposed Poochie. <laughs> I was hoping Poochie. like the third act would just start with, and then Cosmo went off to another planet. <laughs> just a title card. <laughs> Especially after the dueling mammy comment. I'm like, all right, I'm done with you. All right, fuck off. We're good. I bet when you rewatch this again, you're going to go, I wish I had a Cosmo. No. No, I wish I had a Dawn. I will be your Cosmo. We all had a Dawn. You're going to regret those words. Just as much fun. So you're saying you want to be Cosmo? If yes, I would want to be the Cosmo and have a Dawn. I wouldn't want a Cosmo. He's the worst. Let me be the worst. I want better. <laughs> Let me be the worst. I was going to say, you are very much on the right path for your wishes. Thank you. So, Thank you. good job. <laughs> good head start. The defeated Lena flees in humiliation, and a distressed Kathy tries to run away as well, but Don proudly announces to the audience that she's the real star of the film. Later, Kathy and Don kiss in front of a billboard for their new film, Singing in the rain. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> That's a good way to go out, though, because that is Singing in the Rain from 1952, directed by Stanley fucking Donnan and Gene fucking Kelly and Brian and Ryan. This is an 11, goddammit, for story and motivation. Yeah. An 11. I, what, yeah, I, I mean, these systems never make sense to me, so I just fucking go with it, so it's fine, but, like, the, the perfect happy, guest is what they call you. The happy Gilmore <laughs> one, didn't you say something like motivation was a 10 or something for Sean because it meant so much to him for his childhood, so, like, fuck it, why, that's the same for you, right? This means this so much is, for you, yeah. for your childhood. This is, I wouldn't even call it my childhood, because I, still I first watched this in my teenage <laughs> years, where I was starting to, like, discover movies uh, mm. so it was like this is in a way i can't believe i'm gonna say this oh don't do it this is like my nirvana oh <laughs> that's much better than what i thought you were gonna say but like my nirvana unplugged now okay. it went there now that <laughs> oh. you just twist in the knife and the- <laughs> it's not so much my never mind it's when <laughs> i found out they had another layer to them <laughs> If this movie is your Nirvana, then what's your Foo Fighters? My Foo Fighters would probably be Clockwork Orange. I'm not seeing the connection. Sing in the Rain. They both have it. Wow. Allow it. I'll allow it. That is tenuous. (laughs) Wow. With that, I guess we got to give this an 11. (laughs) Yeah. Motivated as fuck. Do you know why they did Sing in the Rain in Clockwork Orange? Why? Because it was the only song that Malcolm McDowell knew all the words to. <laughs> is that is that for real? I've read it on the internet where all, everything is real. <laughs> Just like the milk water. Uh-huh. <laughs> Casting is our next category. I mean, come on. Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, and Debbie Reynolds, and Gene Hagen. 
I feel like you're holding some cards here that you're like, Gene Kelly is kind of a secret shitty person, but I'm not going to tell you why until later. So, like, why are we going to judge this cast until, like, I know how shitty these people are? Debbie Reynolds was probably on suicide watch at some point during this movie. (gasps) Didn't she eventually say that, like, the two hardest things she ever did in her life were child labor and singing in the rain? Yep. She was 19. She had a background in dance and acting and all that stuff. And she said that what Gene Kelly put her through was absolute hell. It got to the point that, like, she would wander off to, like, practice her dance steps. And Fred Astaire actually was the one who taught her how to dance. After he found her crying underneath a piano. But Gene Kelly also, just to give a peek behind the curtain, whenever you see tap dancing on film, there's no way you can capture that sound. Okay. Like, on the day. So Gene Kelly didn't even let Debbie Reynolds dub her own tap. Gene Kelly dubbed Debbie Reynolds' tap. Wow. Okay. We should revisit all this at director, but as far as casting goes, I mean, Gene Kelly is a good Don Lockwood. He's a great Don Lockwood. Gene (laughs) Kelly, as Don Lockwood, is one of the all-time most Hmm. charming people on screen. It's true. Yeah. It's true. He absolutely is. He is perfectly cast. Debbie Reynolds, I think, is perfectly cast. And Donald O'Connor is perfectly cast. Lena, Lena Lamont is also very strong. I, I, she's supposed to be grading, but she is also grading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's rough. So it's kind of like perfect because she does it so good. She does it so well that when you find out that her what her real voice sounds like because you actually heard it, you realize how good she did doing the other voice. Yeah. And let's not forget Douglas Fowley as Roscoe fucking Dexter, the director. And you also got Sid Charisse in there. Famous, famous, incredibly famous dancer from the time. Who is that yeah. last person you said? She was Sid the Charisse. one in the, in the green dress during the... Um, the opening? The Broadway Melody. Broadway Melody. <gasps> oh, yeah. Broadway Melody is the... <sighs> she was like I the like... gangster's girlfriend with the... Okay. Um, and I've seen coin. this movie time and time and time and time again. I never knew until this viewing that Rita Moreno was Rita fucking Moreno. Zelda Sanders. Um, I had no idea. Oh, Let's shit. remember that the the most recent movie to come out with a with somebody from this movie was 80 for Brady. That's right, Rita Moreno. Dang, so, that's... You know. Do you think she showed up to film 80 for Brady and she was like, I was in Singing in the Rain. <laughs> it's kind of like how, was it James Hong? Everything ever all at once? He's like 94 years old. Yeah. He said that his first movie, when, he, when they got like the... It was probably like a SAG award or something like that. They let him make the speech at the SAG awards. I'm assuming it's SAG awards at least. Um, and he said that his first movie credit, he was in a movie with Clark Gable. <laughs> what? What could that have been? Wow. I don't know, but it was probably racist due to his the speech <laughs> that he gave of how people were in yellow face and whatnot. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Casting cast. is a 10. <laughs> Full-blown 10. 10. I'm in agreement there. Yeah, I, I'm i not going to pick my battle here. Ten's it gets fine. the Donnie O'Connor <laughs> bump. Ryan, Ten's it's fine. good that you know because you do have a hill to die. It's important. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. I am prepared. I am waiting. <laughs> good. All right. <laughs> Protagonist. It's probably Don Lockwood. I mean, yeah. He does the titular singing. He does. Yeah. I, would, I would like rain. to hear what your argument is for Cosmo, though. Cosmo's the one who comes up with all the ideas. About the films that they're doing. He's the creative force behind everything. One of those ideas is dueling mammies, though. 
All right, so let's go with Don Lockwood. Just let's go with Don Lockwood as the protagonist. <laughs> Gene fucking Kelly's on another level in this movie. And this isn't even his best performance in my mind. Yeah. Because I think an American in Paris, he's that much better in. But this is just so iconic. It's oh, yep. so good. I'd also argue, too, if this is uh, a paralleled one for one with the artist, then uh, Cosmo would be a dog in the artist. <laughs> So that clearly makes him not the protagonist. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, for Don Lockwood, Gene Kelly? Yep. I'm going to go 10 again. 10. Knocking up those points. Off screen behavior. Yeah. Right. We're right. keeping ten. it strictly in ten the frame right now. Yeah. Antagonist. Technology? <laughs> I feel like it's kind of Lena. I, I could buy that. Or it could be the jazz singer and it's blackface. <laughs> it's, it's the jazz singer. Uh, it's Lena. Could it be talkies? Progress is the antagonist. Progress. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> the marching of time <laughs> is the grand antagonist. <laughs> there are struggles that need to be overcome, and they do overcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the struggle is so rough that they stayed up past midnight for one night and then <laughs> sang a song about it. <laughs> That's, that's how you know impressive. It's, that's how you know it's rough. <laughs> By golly, it's already tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 10 again, because I like it, damn it. <laughs> I like that because I like it, damn it, defense. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, I I could be a real sickler again and just dig all around for a 9 out of 10 but like what's the point like it's a, you're allowed it's a, to it's real clever i mean it's a it's a clever concept it's a clever struggle the 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 changing industry like there's been so few shifts in hollywood like the the shift to talkies and like it's it's a big yeah. important thing that they got to really early i don't know what another shift this streaming is probably the next big shift to uh, be honest i'll tell you what the next yeah. big shift is it's ai Oh, yeah. Brian's about to be out of the job, and also Ryan's about to be at the job. So go on to Patreon. Subscribe <laughs> so Brian has a job. Or Brian Please. can make a living. So I can survive in the next probably five years. Yeah. I've had a good run. I'm ready to be a battery. <laughs> going full-blown Matrix. I love it. So that's a 10 for antagonist. Let's talk about the screenplay. So the screenplay got formed in a weird way because they had the title of Singing in the Rain... <laughs> well before they knew anything about this movie. And yeah. it was because it came out of a 1929 musical kind of venue thing that you would watch. It just has random ass songs thrown about, and they said, look, they're singing songs on the screen. Yeah. So they wanted a movie, the studio, MGM, wanted a movie called Singing in the Rain. That was the prompt. That was it. And it um, turned into this. We haven't gotten to music yet, but Nacio Herb Brown and Arthur Freed had a whole catalog of music that they wanted to use in a movie. And that's and basically that's how this got see. built. They were like, that's what we, we say. all of these songs. They all exist. We just want to link them together narratively. And then they did, somehow. <laughs> they, they managed to make it work and make them laugh, which we'll get back to. They did. They did. But I'm right. Mm hmm. I won't give this a perfect 10 because I don't, it does feel a little bit formless at times in this story when like we're moving from like thing to thing to thing. And there are definitely musical pieces where like, 
well that did not need to happen at all like this does <laughs> nothing about like the talkie picture does nothing about anything like honestly the make them laugh really like narratively doesn't belong there there's a few, few of them like that it's a little formless at times but it's not bad but i also wouldn't say it's i don't know a 10 would imply i guess a little bit more guiding hands and if there are like yeah I there agree are moments that are performance for performance sake yeah absolutely there are yeah 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 because yeah. i i i love broadway melody that's the highlight of this movie for me it's weird that it takes like a 15 minute break to just do this fucking giant song <laughs> that for no reason. set piece is enormous when and they it's... do that with the stairs and the fan and the dress oh mm-hmm. oh yeah, so I, if we're going to dock points, I would say screenplay, that that might be where you do it. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Reasonable. Style and tone. Eleven. Yeah, that's Oh, double dipping on the eleven. <laughs> I have to. For this one, I mean, this Absolutely. is just such a, a an iconic movie at this point. Yeah. I'll go, I'll just say ten then, just to be whatever, because Cosmo's part of it. <laughs> Fair enough. I love Cosmo. I really do also not like enough. that specific old style of humor, though, man. It really kills me. Do you want him to be like Groucho next time instead? Like Groucho Marx? Groucho kind of pushes me over the line, too. I'm a Harpo boy. Mm. Everyone's a Harpo boy. Everyone should be a Harpo boy. As they should. You're right. Yep. <laughs> He's should. the best thing that ever came out of the Marx Brothers. Harpo's fantastic. Isn't Cosmo kind of a Harpo, though? He no, talks he talks. Way, way too fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only because this is a talkie. I feel like he... All right, so if we're all like, Lena's voice is so shrill and obnoxious. Anytime Cosmo like talked, I was about like as cringe as when Lena talked. I don't know. I, I He did not do it for me. What are we talking like, about? Maybe style and tone. We oh, style and tone's an 11. 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go with 10. That's fine. All right, fine. A 10 it is. Directors. Stanley Donnan is known for doing this. Yes. What else has he done? Because I'm honestly not familiar with him either. Funny Face, Indiscreet, Damn Yankees, uh, the oh. 1967 Bedazzled okay. on the town in nineteen. Would have been more impressive if he did a 1999 Bedazzled. That would be <laughs> very funny. impressive. We'll talk about a spanning career. <laughs> on the town in 1949 to Bedazzled in 1999. Yeah, he's known for doing all of these musicals after the musical was kind of out of favor. Yeah. Okay. And he was the one who kind of kept it alive. And the these two for as long as he did. teamed up several times. Yes, it did. On the town singing in the rain. It's always fair weather. Mm-hmm. But this is by far his most famous work. Uh, he Absolutely. got an honorary Oscar for directing musicals, which you're never going to see that ever again. I think that he absolutely knocked it out of the park. Gene Kelly gets the director not also because of all the choreography that went into this thing. Right. I don't think he was so much behind the technical side of it as much. But Gene Kelly... Mm-hmm. I mean, some of this choreography is just second to none. Yep. But he was a pretty mean guy to Debbie Reynolds. He was a director. He got the performance that he needed out of his actors and actresses. It, all right. Well, <laughs> I, so this is an interesting, I, this is going to turn into fucking ethics, That's a weird way of saying I like it, damn it. <laughs> I Yeah, because like, I don't know. That's hard, man. I like David O. Russell's movies, but man, he seems like a dick. He's a prick. You know, and it's kind of hard to be like, whatever makes the good art. Like, I don't know that you had to be that much of a dick to Lily Tomlin. Like, she really No, no one had to be that much of a dick to Lily Tomlin. He should have been arrested on the spot. 
Yeah. Agree. Yeah. But I also am like a disciple of like Kubrick and Hitchcock where they're mm. known for the way they treat the people that they work with. Right. In a very specific way. Yeah. Yeah. You can't argue against the performance. You can't. That's what you see. That's the final product. Right. I mean, I guess it's one thing if in retrospect that whatever actor or actress who comes out of it and it's like, man, it was such a tough time, but we look at that performance and they have that kind of shared light. But if they're coming through with like some PTSD for the sake of like some directors like 10 out of 10 when it could have been like a nine and a half out of 10 and you not been a fucking dick for like however many weeks you shot it, like fucking do that then. Make your nine out of ten. It doesn't have to be fucking perfect at the sake of somebody's like mental health or fucking even just like possibly like physical health with some of the choreography shit and whatnot. I don't know, but now I agree with you. But (laughs) but Michelangelo had to paint the Sistine Chapel. He laid on his back. That was his own choice, though. It was, but then he had to go into like rooms after that and see ceilings and shit. And he never lost his mind in any of this stuff. <laughs> that was his own. All right. So that's the difference, right? Michael Angelo threw out his own back painting the Sistine Chapel for his own ego and his yeah. back paid the price laying on it. The director, Gene Kelly, definitely paid his, but like he doesn't get to dictate like the price everybody else pays for his art. And he that's the line. does, though, because uh. he's the director. Uh, well, he has to get his comes... vision across. Well, I don't want to say no matter what, but I don't know. it's his vision. There's nah, a lot of know. money behind that guy. He even said after the fact that uh, he's surprised that Debbie Reynolds still talks to him because of how mean he was to her on set. Yeah. Well, she doesn't talk to him anymore. Or maybe they do because they're both dead. Yeah, maybe you know they're <laughs> hanging out with Ebert. That's right. Well, that's what are we going with for director? I'll go with a nine because I want to give Stanley Don a 10, but I want to give Gene Kelly an eight. Okay. That's... Fair. I just had to push back on the I don't care because art. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I think that's fair. I feel like I'm that guy who would defend the guy who like tied up the dog in the art, the museum <sighs> or whatever. Like Man. to a point. Oh, like boy. I get where you're coming from, but not cool. I, I, <laughs> I used to be that guy, and I don't think I can anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely could not anymore. <laughs> For the sake of my art. <laughs> Let's talk about music. I mean, yes. come on. Yeah. Total five out of ten, come right? On. Mid. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's so the most mid. mid movie ever made. Uh, the only original song in this movie is Make Them Laugh. Is that true? Everything else already existed before they sat down to write this movie. Holy Make Them Laugh shit. is the only song they wrote for the movie, and it might be bitten off of another song. Well, that's kind of a bummer to hear but it doesn't necessarily take the sting out of it because i imagine they're different like variations or like tuned yeah. up differently for the sake yeah. of like the the tempo being more of like a ragtag thing or something ragtime thing moses supposed this was not a song before this but it was a popular tongue twister riddle yeah. whatever you call it there and um it was set to music that already existed i'm gonna dive in real quick and say 10 and then let you two talk it out okay 10 <laughs> i will disagree only because a 10 would represent a perfect soundtrack with no bad song and i will look at my list here oh we found the hill there's beautiful girl not not great not great um 
I will go ahead and say I don't really love Moses Suppose Us because it is just a fucking tongue twister. Uh, the dance that follows when they stop singing, great. The choreography and dancing, fantastic. Um, the, the You Are My Lucky Star, the ending song, also kind of fine. Fine. The best part, the little notes at the end that turn into singing in the rain again as it cuts to the billboard. The rest of the song, <laughs> fine. So I would say like 9, 8 out of 10 I'd go. Just not at perfect 10. That's it. Yeah, 9, nine seems fine. I can get behind a 9. I can get behind it, an 8, but I think it deserves a singing in the rain bump. I agree. That's I, fair. It is the titular song. It's the most famous rendition of it. And yeah, 9. Next category is box office, and I don't I honestly don't know what to do here because there are competing reports. This movie either did um <laughs> it had an estimated budget of the most exact budget we've ever seen in a movie. Two million five hundred forty thousand eight hundred dollars. Yep, all right. Estimated budget. Uh it either made two million dollars or seven point two million dollars, depending on whether you go with box office mojo or the numbers.com. But I think the numbers.com includes re-releases, etc. It's either two or eight. Split the difference. Five. I think that's fair. That, that seems fair to me. Split the diff that gets a five. And the final category is impact on the industry. Enormous. It's absolutely massive. Yeah. This was one of the inaugural class, the, the first 25 films selected for the uh, Library of Congress National Film Registry. Yeah, that's right there. I, 11. It's an it's 11 there for all the reasons. Everyone knows this movie. Everybody's heard of Singing in the Rain. And I feel like not a lot of people have seen it still, which is weird. That but is weird. But it um, is massive. Having been one of those yeah. people less than a week ago, I also kind of understand. Yep. So yep. It's cultural. It's definitely dated. Is everywhere. Every single fucking thing has referenced or imitated this and somehow. Yes. There is a pop culture references to Singing in the Rain Wikipedia page. I It's own that. page for pop culture <laughs> references. So that's going to give Singing in the Rain a total score of 93. I think that might be its Rotten Tomatoes. I actually think the Rotten Tomatoes is much higher. I'm going to say the Rotten Tomatoes is probably going to be like a 98 or 99 or something. We are safe. Ooh. Not by much because the audience score is 95%. Oh, that's close. And on the tomato meter for the critics, it is a full-blown 100%. Yeah, that makes sense. Because who's going to rip on this movie? There's always an Armand job? White. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, good job, me, for picking this movie. It yeah. was terrific. That was a I did a great job. Everybody, give Dave a hand. Let's, let's <laughs> thank you so much. Really, let's thank give hear it for the boy, <laughs> Brian. Yeah. I do believe next week it is your turn to beer us a movie. It is my turn. Um, but I do want to do something a little bit different because next week's episode does release on your birthday. That's true. So I wanted to give you a choice. Now that makes me uncomfortable. Because I'm usually the one who gifts people the goods on my birthday. Yeah. And I'm giving the people the goods the week after my birthday this year. Because the National Lampoon's drunk episode is 
fully edited and it's ready to go. It is unintelligible. <laughs> and and a, an absolute mess, I imagine. It's a mess. You're going to either love it or hate it or both. Probably both. Brian, I have no idea how to feel about this. All right. Well, <laughs> let me let me tell you what your options are. All right. Option A, we do a crappy hour for all. We take it from the Patreon page. We do a crappy hour for the masses on the main channel. Option B is a movie that I know you like a lot, but I think I have somehow managed to keep a secret that I have never seen it. That's rare. Mm. And you're not going to tell me either of these movies going forward? You have to choose now which one it is. <laughs> Man, how would you not go with the one that gets them to see a movie that you love? Because Crappy Hour is so much fun to do. Crappy Hour is a blast, and this would be <laughs> a very problem. good But the one. joy of showing him singing in the rain 2.0. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, man. I promise you, no matter which one you choose, it's going to be a good time. It's the best kind of choice. No, no this is like the ultimate Sophie's choice right now. Because everyone knows my affinity for bad movies and my affinity for really good movies. Do you want to know the years of the two movies? I won't tell you which one is associated with which, but I'll tell you the two yeah, years. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. 1980 and 2003. All right, 1980s Caddyshack. 2003. That's what I'm convinced that is Caddyshack. 2003 must be Love Actually. <laughs> I love Love Actually. Brian? Yeah. Beer me some crappy hour. For crappy hour, next week, we're going to be talking about The Room. Fuck! Yes! 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 That gamble paid off! (laughs) Happy birthday. Oh, that is like the best news. (laughs) I have no idea what the other movie is still. Are you ever going to pick the other movie? Uh, Maybe eventually. Okay, that's fine with me at least. (laughs) Next week, a hot mark, The Room! Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and send us your movie suggestions for this month's listener pick. Of course, our patrons always get double picks, so definitely join us on Patreon. This month, we are going to be doing our most ambitious bracket episode ever with 64 of the greatest wrestlers from four decades of professional wrestling and a whole slew of guests. A whole slew of guests who like wrestling and then me and Brian. Who have no idea what we're talking about. So you can email us your movie picks, questions, or comments to beermemoviepod at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on social media at beermemoviepod on Twitter and at beermemovie everywhere else, like Instagram and Facebook. And especially on Facebook, where we always put up our posts on recording days asking for your questions and comments. And we got a couple. We got TJ Barnaby. He said, some awesome choreography. Yeah, this movie has some awesome choreography. Great choreography. (laughs) It's some of the best you're ever going to see. It's phenomenal. And Jeff Miners wrote it, and he said, as someone who's never seen this movie, what makes this one of the most iconic musicals? To which, uh, Jeff, rewind. (laughs) Listen again. Everything we just said. That's amazing. Also, um, watch it. See for yourself. Yeah, you should watch this one. Everyone should watch this one. This is a a goodie. It's on HBO Max right now. Go watch it. It sure is. Ryan, where can people find you? Should you want to be found? (laughs) Um, So uh, Twitter is a good place. You can find me at Umarific, U-M-A-R-I-F-F-I-C, because it's based off of Uma Thurman. She's great. She's terrific, you might say. If you guys want to get some crazy movie recommendations ryan's been kind of watching way too many movies lately and then giving his reviews and they're great they're all great and he finally is starting to hate movies which makes me happy (laughs) because he was hitting like it a lot for a a good stretch and then he's finally like fuck it burn it down 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, thank you for one. Just I don't know. Attention's nice. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> those words are nice. Go to Twitter. Follow Ryan. Ryan, always a pleasure. Next time you come on, how about you beer us a movie? Uh, man, I don't know if y'all can handle it. <laughs> We're oh, gonna find out the hard way next time the you're kind on. Of challenge I like. All right, done. <laughs> I'll find some weird shit. <laughs> I can't wait. Brian, do you have anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. Next week, we're talking about The Room. We'll see you then. Break out the scotch for next week when the BME boys finally talk about The Room. See you then.